Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Luke and the song we just sung together, the Magnificat. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ, and Lord, for the faith of Mary. Uh, for through her you have brought salvation into the world by granting her your Son. Now be with us this day, O Lord, and teach us uh, to trust your word as Mary trusted your word and to rejoice over the gifts that you give. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So uh, if you've heard me preach about Advent and Christmas stuff before, you probably know uh, that uh, beside uh, the birth of Jesus uh, himself, one of my favorite parts of Christmas is the Christmas music. I love the music this time of year, both the carols we sing at church, the hymns we sing, and even the secular songs. I, I'm a sucker for all of it. I love this stuff. So I thought we would start this morning uh, by having you turn to your neighbor. I know some of you hate this stuff. Uh, I would too, but I'm up here, so it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, turn to your neighbor and tell them what is your favorite song of the Christmas season, uh, Christian, secular, whatever. What is your favorite song of the Christmas season? Go ahead and turn to someone next to you uh, and let them know the answer. Okay. Very good. Okay, that's good. I didn't say have a conversation. Okay. Uh, now, I did hear somebody out there say, uh, Hallelujah by Pentatonix. If that was you, uh, please come by my office so we can have a little counseling session on what's good and bad music. Now, my favorite, of course, uh, is, is Hark the Herald Angels Sing in any way, shape, or form, but especially uh, when sung by the Charlie Brown gang. I really like that uh, version myself. Now, we focus a lot on music this time of year. Music is an integral part of the Advent and Christmas season, and that's very appropriate. Now, a lot of the songs we focus on this time of year actually sing about Mary, right? I mean, we think a lot about Mary this time of year. And some of those songs, uh, they're a little, shall we say, theologically spurious, like Ave Maria, which is such a beautiful song, but it's also a prayer to Mary, so we're not real big fans of that one around here. Or uh, Mary, did you know? And the answer to that, of course, is uh, yes, an angel appeared and told her. Uh, so there's those songs that we kind of are aware of and we, we hear this time of year. But there's the other ones that we sing in church. Gentle Mary, later child, lowly in the manger. What child is this who came to rest, who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping. And of course, when we sing Silent Night, we sing Round Yon Virgin, Mother and Child. We focus in a lot on Mary this time of year. And that is completely appropriate. Because after all, she is the most blessed woman in the history of the world because she was called by God to give birth to the Savior. So it's appropriate for us to sing about Mary. Mary herself sang when she knew that she was giving birth to Jesus. And that's the song we heard uh, this morning in the reading from the Gospel of Luke and that we also just sang now. It's the song we call the Magnificat. And we call it the Magnificat because the opening line, my soul magnifies the Lord. And this is a beautiful hymn in which we have here Mary giving us an example of what faith actually does. 
It receives a promise and it responds in trust. It believes the truth. And so we have this beautiful song demonstrating for us how we should respond when we receive the gifts of God. And it is a beautiful song, and Mary has every reason in the world to sing. She sings not just because she heard some good news that Jesus was coming to save the world, but she sings because she has received Christ himself in her womb. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to focus in uh, on this Christmas carol sung by Mary. Uh, We're going to read it responsively. Uh, Not responsively. We're going to read it together, I should say. And then I'm going to offer up some meditative thoughts on the various parts of this particular song. And so uh, they should be on the slides. Are they on the slides up there, slide people? Oh, very good. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to read this part together, uh, and then I'll offer up some meditative thoughts on it. So let's, let's do it at this time. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Now Mary, here in the opening portion of the Magnificat, really seems to be talking, you know, uh, a lot about herself. And and if we're not careful here, we might even think that Mary's being a little bit, you know, selfish here. My soul magnifies the Lord. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. I mean, she's really focusing on herself, it would seem. And you might read this initially and say, well, who does Mary think she is? Where does uh, she think it's okay that everyone is going to call her blessed? Why will all generations give her and her alone this designation? Well, those are obviously foolish questions. We know the answer to those questions. She sings this way because of what God has spoken to her because of the promises that have been made to her, because the Son of God himself is going to become her son. She is the most blessed woman in the history of the world because she alone was chosen by God to bear this baby, this divine child, in her womb. Uh, In fact, I heard one theologian say this way, and I thought this was a very nice way of phrasing it. This little baby who is sheltered in Mary's flesh is the one eternal God. That is mind-blowing. The ancient theologians referred to Mary with this wonderful uh, Greek word, theotakos, that is, the one who bears God. I mean, it's really quite profound. She is most blessed indeed, for she has this promise of God given to her that she will be the mother of her Lord, and not just her Lord, but also your Lord. What's more, this this language, this for me language that Mary sings today, it's not selfish whatsoever. In fact, this for me language is the language of faith. This word of God that he delivers comes to you and it comes to me just as it came to Mary. Notice the pattern in all of this. God makes Mary a promise to give her Jesus. And she responds in faith. I am blessed because God spoke to me. Now when you were baptized, God made you a promise. He promised to give you as your Savior, His Son, the Son of Mary. He promised to give you the one that Mary was blessed to bring into the world. 
and he was born to her. He was incarnate in her womb. He was born to her. He lived a perfect life in your place. He died on the cross for your sins, and he rose again on the third day. And all of this, Jesus Christ did for you. God says, I have given this Jesus to you. And we respond by saying, oh, God has done this for me. That is what faith says. All creation will call you blessed because you belong to Jesus. You have been made a part of his blessed people. He has done great things for you. And How else can we respond but by rejoicing and saying that Jesus Christ has done all of this for me? That is the voice of faith. Let's go to the next slide. We read together. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Now, it's interesting language to bring up this, uh, this talk of fear. His, uh, his mercy is for those who fear him. To have faith in this word above all other words, to have faith in this God above all other gods, is to fear God. To fear God is, is to honor him, to love him, to be afraid of what might happen in your life if you did not have this God. Or worse, to be afraid of what might happen if this God was against you. Think about that. Jesus himself warns us of such things when he says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Sobering. It creates a little bit of fear inside of us. But it truly is a marvelous thing for us to hear this day that this one who can both destroy <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, body and soul and hell has decided rather to give you heaven. And he would much rather give you heaven. This almighty and powerful God then shows up to us to prove this to us by coming not as a powerful, terrifying judge, not on a war horse to destroy us, but rather he shows up as an infant child born to Mary to show that he is kindly disposed towards you. Here in the coming of Christ as a baby, the almighty judge is giving you pardon. He is showing you the strength of his arm. In the weakness of a baby. Now, to be sure, there are those who want nothing to do with this humble, gracious God. They would prefer other things like personal power, wealth, vanity, and glory to a humble faith. And Mary tells us today, for them judgment will fall. They will be scattered in fear when Christ returns again to judge the living and the dead. For they have refused to be drawn to him. And so Mary sings about this more in the next portion of the hymn. Let's go to the next verses here. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Now Israel is an interesting uh, case here. When we talk about the humility that God seems to bless. 
God was, uh, Israel was not chosen by God because they were more powerful than any other nation, because they were more glorious or more impressive to him than any other nation. And in fact, listen to these words about uh, Israel that Moses spoke to them in the book of Deuteronomy. He says, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord has set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath he swore to your fathers. God was not impressed by Israel so that he chose them. No, God chose Israel because he decided to choose Israel. Because he loved them. He chose Israel because he was faithful to the promises that he made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob to bring them a savior and to be their God so that they would be his people. He was not, again, impressed with anything about them. There was nothing really to impress him with. God simply loved them and chose them. It's the same with Mary. There's nothing about Mary that's particularly impressive in the eyes of the world. She is humble and low. Uh, She is living in the margins. There's just not much for many people to pay attention to there. And yet God chose her to bring forth Jesus. God chose Israel and he chose Mary by grace alone. And that's kind of the sort of thing that our pride just can't handle. We demand rewards. We demand to be seen, to be acknowledged, and to be appraised, uh, to be praised for our accomplishments. If we have a God at all, we want him to be one who pays us our due. We want our works to be rewarded and our achievements to be acknowledged. And so Mary sings about such pride today. She says, when sinners make such foolish demands, those demands will become a reality for them. The proud, the mighty, the wealthy, those who fill their own bellies and sit on mighty thrones and love their own accomplishments and demand for God to do the same will receive what they deserve. God will bring down those who are haughty and full of pride. God will punish those who do not love him or trust him, but oppose him in their own pride. But that's not the fate for Israel. And that's not the fate for Mary. And that's not the fate for God's humble church, who is low and foolish in the eyes of the world, who is mocked and despised by the world. The church, that is the gathering of the saints, that is you and I who have been baptized into Christ Jesus. We look so foolish into this world by following these old, old stories. And yet the Lord Jesus does not look on you and call you foolish. No, he looks on you and remembers everything he has done for you. When he baptized you and he made you his own and he remembers his promises for you. And so you and I who might be low in the eyes of the world will be exalted in the presence of God. Because of what? Jesus Christ has done for you. And if anybody knows what it means to be low and despised in this world, it is Jesus. For he took the lowest and the most foolish place when he died on the cross for the sins of the world. Therefore God raised him up and exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. This is the promise that we have in Jesus Christ, that we who are low will be exalted, just as Jesus who was brought low was exalted above all things. It's a promise he makes to you, and it's a promise that has been going on for a long time 
all the way back to Abraham. And so we conclude today with these words. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. See, what the world says about you doesn't matter. If the world mocks and derides you, it doesn't matter because what truly matters is what God spoke. What God spoke to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and to all who have faith in him. And what God speaks is a promise. He promised those people in the Old Testament, those saints, he promised them a savior, a sacrifice who would bring to them a new heavens and a new earth. And he promised this thing and this promise lasts forever and it finds its fulfillment. In the birth of Mary's son, when Jesus comes into the world to save those who are sinful. And today, that promise, that word that God speaks comes to you again. And you hear the promise that is made to you. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the fulfillment of the promises, was born for you. So that your sins are forgiven. So that your eternal life is secure so that you who are low will be exalted on the day when Jesus Christ comes again. So how else do we respond to such marvelous promises than by joining Mary and rejoicing in this gifts and magnifying our Lord? For you in your baptism are called blessed by your Lord because he has done great things for you. Amen. Father, we give you thanks for the good things you have done for us in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray now, Lord, that like Mary, we would respond in faith, trusting your promises and living lives of bold confidence, knowing that you are with us, that you have secured us as your own, and you will be with us and come again to give us glory. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.